I hope you had a, a great Thanksgiving. We, we had a great Thanksgiving. We, we host Thanksgiving at our house um, every year. And, uh, you know, Renee's mother is now 90. She did it for years, and now we, we host it. And so, you know, have, have, guys, have you ever gone through this? You know, we were all the, we were everybody's at our house, and the guys are all in the kitchen, and we're nibbling. And you know how ladies always kind of go, oh, don't eat too much, don't eat too much, you'll spoil your appetite? I mean, ladies, do you do that to the guys? At least it goes on in my house, you know. It's just like, don't, you know, don't eat too much. We're going to have the big dinner, you know, and so everything. So all the guys went downstairs were watching the football game. I came up at halftime to get some cider, and there's all the women sitting around the table eating apple pie or eat, eating p- pumpkin pie before dinner. And I go, really? What, what the heck? <laughs> and... They were busted. They got busted. So anyway, I had two pieces of pie after dinner this year. It took me a couple of days to wear it off. But anyway, God bless you all. hope you had a great Thanksgiving. You know, we have so much to be thankful for. You know, you don't know me. I, it was my first time here. I'm so honored to be here and so thankful to your pastors, um, Sean and Amy and, and, uh, and Leah, who's taken such great care of me, and Justin and Renee and, and just and Lynn and everybody here that's been so hospitable. Thank you so much. We have really good friends, Dr. Boyd and Cindy Williams, who used to be a part of our church before this church finally came around. And then they came here because they lived down here. We were so excited to have them uh, find you know, this church. And, and uh, we, I've known of this church since the day it was planted, always been excited for it. And, uh, you know, you're just a reflection of your pastors, just a great congregation. We're very honored to be here. I'm very honored to be here this morning. And, uh, you know, Renee and I, we were associate pastors at Living Word for, we were at 30, for, there for 33 years. We were associate pastors for 28, Justin. So you got, you know, most of that right. And, uh, and how would you know? I mean, you did a great job. Yes. But anyway, um, and, you know, and, you know, we were, we were in the mix of everything to do with the congregation. When we started there, it was a congregation of about 600 people. It was about 10,000 people when we left. So, and we were there through all that growth. And Renee and I probably knew more people than anybody in the church were in the middle of any, everything. And so it's a big switch. But we, uh, May 31st, we resigned from there because, you know, we have a ministry that I've been writing uh, for 17 years it's grown online. It's, uh, it's, it's a devotion that I write four times a week. It's been read in 216 countries around the world. And um, I have readers all around the world every single day that I communicate with. And it's just, it just gives me great insight to what people are thinking in the body of Christ from every culture of the body of Christ imaginable. And, um, you know, I... Um, it's so much fun watching people grow up in Christ. And I'm so thankful because you would know this about me, but, you know, before I got saved, I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I was kind of a, a you know, a, a guy that did a job and maintained my job well, but then outside of that, every single day for four years, just, you know, drunk and high. And then one day, um, Renee's sister, prior to me knowing Renee, uh, led me to the Lord. My entire life changed. And, you know, every single blessing that is in the word that God has promised to us through his word, the kind of things your pastor teaches you week in and week out. Renee and I, you know, we put our faith and we walked it out, and we, we have amazing, we've had an amazing life together. We've, God has allowed us to do so many great things. So anyway, and this is just one more of them. Now we've entered into a new season of life, and uh, we're traveling, we're ministering, going out on the mission field, and it's it's, it's such a different phase of life from being in the church, you know, running so much of the church for 33 years. So it's just a great, it's exciting to get out. We just couldn't do this very much before. We were just too busy. And so now it's fun to get out and just see what's going on in all the churches around. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I want to start out the message this morning. Well, first, first what I want to do, well, first I want to pray. Can we just pray for a minute? Thank you. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I thank you this morning that you're here. You're here inside of us and you're here in our midst. We praise you and we thank you, Lord, that every you care about every detail of every single person's life in this place. You know where they're at. You know where they've been from and where your plan is to take them to. You know the problems that they have in their lives. You know the victories that they've 
received at your hand. You know everything that they need right now. And so, Lord, I thank you that even though one message is coming forth, the Holy Spirit is interpreting it in each one of their hearts to relate to where they're at in their life and how you will minister to them and through them. And so I praise you and I thank you for that orchestrated interpretation by your Holy Spirit to each and every individual here. And I pray that not one person will leave this place today without being utterly changed, challenged, and seeing things in a new light. And we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I want to, you know, one of those devotions I told you about, I just want to read you uh, just one paragraph from one of them because it's going to lead into this message. And then I'm going to tell you a story and then I'm going to preach you a sermon. And I'm going to have to go really quick. So anyway, let me read this to you. Just, and just listen to these words. When you look out and see people each and every day, the ones you work with, the ones you encounter in the stores, restaurants, the various places you go, what do you see when you see all the people you encounter? Do you see people through God's eyes? Do you see people who were created by him that are lost? Do you see people who God loves and want to have a relationship with? Do you see people who are looking for answers yet may be too stubborn to admit it and listen to the very truth and they're too stubborn to listen to the truth that would save them? Do you see people who hate God but for all the wrong reasons? How different life would be if each and every day we looked at people through God's eyes as someone he wants to reach that Jesus died for. If we lived like that, it would literally transform our life. I want to talk to you about that today. But I'm going to start out. My message today is called The Hope of Your Calling slash Pedro's Table. And I just want to tell you a little story. You know, Renee and I, we... It wasn't always the easiest thing for us to get away on vacation. Um, in our last five years, out of 12 scheduled vacations, we had to reschedule eight of them. We got called back from our vacation on three of them. So it wasn't always easy to get away on a vacation, but we figured out a plan. If we leave the country, they can't get us back. <laughs> So we started going down to Mexico. We went to Cancun, Mexico, and Renee, I, you know, Renee is she's she's amazing at finding deals and places to go and everything else. So I just you know kind of put all that in her hands. Well, she found this great place for us to go. It was in Cancun, Mexico, and 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 we had seen this place. We had been down there before. We had seen this hotel. It was really out of uh, you know what we could afford. And one day she goes, Tim. We, this vacation, it's a 10-day vacation. It's only this much, which is half the normal price. She goes, that must be a mistake. I said, well, I don't care. Book it. <laughs> so she booked it, and it was a mistake. The next day, they corrected it, and it was twice that much. So we got it for half price. And, you know, Renee is a great believer in being at the right place at the right time, and God will minister to you at what you need. So anyway, she, and she always says that, and she always gets it. And because that's where her faith is at. We got this great vacation. So we went down to this hotel. We were not familiar with the hotel. We had never been there before other than just kind of seeing it in passing. And so we, um, you know, when we went on a vacation, we always kind of had this routine that we did. We, we kind of went on a vacation with this in mind. We wanted to draw closer to the Lord, draw closer to each other. You know, sometimes we liked if they had a fitness center or whatever. We wanted to eat well, exercise, spend time with God, spend time with each other. And so we really, really, that was, we, we had it in a discipline. And for me, one of the things I like to do, you know, it's on the ocean. So I like to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning while it was still pitch black. I would go down to the beach. There was nobody else. The whole hotel was quiet. Nobody else is up. I would go down there at 5 o'clock, sit on the beach, because all the stars were out. But within the hour... The, you know, the light would start to come, and then you know, I could read my Bible, and then I'd see the sunrise, and that would be a beautiful experience. And then usually, you know, about 6.15, I'd really start getting antsy. 6 to 6.15, I'd get antsy for a cup of coffee. And so we're at this hotel. I've never been there. I don't really even know for sure where the restaurant is where I could find a cup of coffee. And so I'm kind of roaming the grounds, and, and uh, as I'm walking uh, from the beach up, I see you know, these windows, and it's the restaurant, and I see all these workers on the inside, and so I walk up this path, and I open the door, and it's all of the, you know, Spanish or Mexican workers getting ready to open up the restaurant, and they're just all very, very busy, 
And I saw on the door, it said it didn't open until 6.30. It was only about 6.15. So I walked into the door, and um, right away, this gentleman walked up to me, just a guy, probably, I'm just guessing, 25, 26 years old, just a, a good-looking guy, big smile, just happy. I mean, you know, how many people look happy at 6 o'clock in the morning? But he just looked happy, and he walked up to me, and he said, Hello, senior, how are you today? And I said, Good. And he, and he said, My name is Pedro. What can I do for you? And I said, Well, Pedro, I said, My name is Tim, and, and it's very nice to meet you. And I said, You know, this is our first time here. I just saw on the door you're not open until 6.30, and I'm sorry I didn't mean to come in early, but I was just kind of looking to get a couple co- uh, cups of coffee to go in a, in, in a cup. I want to bring one up to my wife. She's just going to get out of bed, and she'll love me more if I bring that coffee to her. And so... So, um, and so he goes, oh, senior, he said, what is your name? I said, Tim Burton. He says, well, senior Burton, I will go get you that coffee. Don't you worry about it. And, and you just stay right here. And so he, I saw him running back into the kitchen. Two minutes later, he comes out. He's got two cups of coffee. And he goes, now, okay, Tim Burton, I want to remember your name, Tim Burton. I said, yes, Tim Burton. And so he goes, okay. And I said, and my room number is, and he goes, no, I don't need your room number. And I said, well, to, to pay for it? And he goes, oh, I don't want you to pay for it. You see, this is your first day in our hotel. You just enjoy your coffee. He goes, you know, we have a great breakfast in here at 9 o'clock. Maybe you'll come back down. And I said, well, we are. We are coming down to breakfast. And he goes, well, good. So this coffee is just part of your breakfast. Don't worry about it. And I said, oh, Pedro, you're so nice. And, and so we sat and talked for a minute. And then I, you know, went upstairs. And Renee was just getting up. I handed her a cup of coffee. That was worth about five points in the love bank. And, uh, and so then, you know, she got ready. We went out on the deck, the, on the deck that overlooked the ocean. And it was just, you know, it was just absolutely beautiful. And, and we spent time, you know, reading individually and then talking about what we read and then praying together. And so that was our morning, every single morning. And then about 9, we'd go down to the beach for just a little bit together. And then at 9 o'clock, we would walk outside up this path and up to the restaurant. And right before you hit the restaurant, once it was open, they had a little maitre d' stand there, and there was a gal there that would, you know, um, check you in. And, and so I, we walked up to it, and um, I, I said, is it possible we could um, eat at Pedro's section? And she said, well, Pedro's section is all full today, but, but I can put you at another section. And I said, oh, that's just fine. Well, so anyway, we went in, and we sat down, and then I saw Pedro across the restaurant, and I waved to him, and he came all the way over. I introduced him to Renee, and he, and, um, and he was busy. So, you know, even for him to come all the way over, and I introduced him to Renee, and, told, and he was just so nice. He sat and talked to us for a few minutes, and, and, uh, and I just thought, what, a, what an amazing guy. I, I, you know, what a great start, and what a great impression he made on us in this hotel. Well, anyway, second night, you know, the second morning I wake up, I'm down on the beach, and it's about 6 o'clock again, and I'm, you know, about 6.15, I'm heading up to the restaurant. And as I'm, you know, coming up to the restaurant, and I open the door, there's Pedro. And he's, he's right standing right there with a big smile. And he goes, hello, Senior Bird, how are you? I've got your coffee right here for you. And, um, and I, I went, Pedro, I, I can't even believe that you did that. And, and he goes, yeah, I got it right here for you. And, and I'm... And, you know, I'm just so glad to, that, that you're here and you're enjoying yourself and, and you enjoy your coffee. And so we sat and talked for a little bit and I went upstairs. And every day for nine days, well, the third day that I walked up there to get that coffee, the door springs open and there he is with my coffee. <laughs> and it was just like, this is, I, I've never ever had this kind of experience out of anybody. It's just, this guy was amazing. He was just like this bright light. Well, anyway, the second day we came for breakfast up from the path, we said, is it possible to sit in Pedro's section? And she said, oh, absolutely. So we sit in Pedro's section, and, and he's waiting on us. And not only does he give us breakfast, but he, he, every time he waited on us, he brought us extra things off the menu that we didn't even ask. And it was just like, Pedro, uh, why are you doing this? And he's just, he goes, Senior Bird, I just want you to have the best time while you're here, you and Miss Renee. And so anyway... So he was just absolutely amazing. The next day we came up and we said, is it possible to sit in Pedro's section? She said, well, I'm sorry, but Pedro's section is full today. But she goes, you can sit right over here. Um, it's a beautiful table overlooking the ocean. I said, that's great. We'll sit right there. We weren't that far from where, the, the, where she was working. And, um, and it was really funny because I would see these people come up the path and I could hear them. And they'd come up to the major d' and they'd go, um, could we sit in Pedro's section? 
And then, you know, if she, she could see them, there she could, or she put them somewhere else, and then another couple would come up the path, and they'd go, um, yes, I'd like a seat in Pedro section, please. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, everybody in the restaurant wants to sit in Pedro section. But he was just so friendly, and he made, I think he probably made everybody feel like he made Renee and I feel like we were best friends, and we've known each other for life. And it was just, so anyway, this guy was such a bright light. So one day I'm sitting on the beach and I'm thinking about Pedro and I'm just thinking how he has affected our entire time there and just made it so wonderful. And we just always couldn't wait to see him. And so I started writing this sermon and on the last day, he made us a special breakfast. And, he, you know, we don't, we're not really drinkers, but he brought champagne and all this other stuff. He didn't know, you know that we didn't drink or anything else. And, and so um, it, it was just unbelievable. And once again, he just kept pushing the envelope. And so, you know, Renee and I, I, I told him, I said, Pedro, I just, just got to tell you something. I said, you know, I'm a pastor, and I, I, I have been on the beach, and I have been thinking about you and what a light you are and how everybody I've seen come in here attracted to you. It's just absolutely amazing. And I said, you just shine. And I, and, and I said, I am writing a sermon called Pedro's Table. And I said, when I write this and I preach it, I'm going to get a copy and I'm going to send it down to you because you are an amazing. I wanted to pack him in my suitcase and adopt him and bring him up here and hire him somewhere and do something. But, you know, of course, they wouldn't let me do any of that. But anyway... So we're always looking forward, you know, when we get back down there to see Pedro again. But Pedro, he was just a bright light. And I, so, you know, I, I, let me do one more thing here. Can we just pull up those pictures on the screen? I just want to pull up a picture real quick. That's where we were sitting, um, you know, outside, uh, Renee and I. And you can just see how beautiful it was in the oceans out there. Can I bring up the next one? And then that, you can see the maitre d' stand, I think it's just right on the other side between those two pillars where this gal was standing. And everybody would come right up that path there, and that's where they would, um, you know, say, can I sit in Pedro's section? <laughs> and then this next slide, this was, um, this was Pedro right here and, uh, with Renee and I. And Pedro was amazing. He was a bright light. So I just wanted you to see that and have a glimpse of Pedro, but... So um, I, I want you to turn in your Bible this morning. Do me a favor and turn in your Bible this morning to Ephesians chapter 1, or otherwise I'm sure we'll have the scriptures up here on the screen. And um, I want to read you a scripture. And I, I told you the, this sermon would be called The Hope of Your Calling. And I want you to understand why. In Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 18... It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So far in this scripture, God says, I'm praying, the Spirit of God, really, who is the author of all scripture, says, I'm praying, and we all know that Jesus intercedes on high, right? And so then the Apostle Paul is also, who wrote this is praying. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order. So there's something that God wants us to see. He's praying that our hearts have the ability to see something in order, in order to see something. And he goes on to say that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he has called you. Everybody say, the hope of your calling. Now look at your neighbor and say, the hope of your calling. Now say to yourself, the hope of my calling. The Apostle Paul said, I want you to pray so that I can open up the eyes of your heart. So that you can see what is the hope of your calling. Too often we look at ministers or people that are doing ministry as having a calling. And I know you've been taught better than that. I know that we all, you all know that we all have a calling. But the Bible is talking here about the hope of our calling. He says, so I want your eyes of your heart to be opened to more than just that. To know the hope of your calling. To know, he goes on to say, the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. 
The Bible says you have a rich and glorious inheritance through Jesus Christ. What is that inheritance? You have an inheritance from God. Well, really, the biggest part of that inheritance is the hope of your calling. We'll talk more about it, and you'll understand. And then it says, and watch these words. It says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Who's a believer here today? He says that in you, this is your inheritance. You have inherited an incomparably great power. And it says that power is like the white the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So he says, you have an inheritance. It's called this power that's equivalent to the power that raised Christ from the dead. And it has everything to do with the hope of your calling. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, It goes on to say, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk worthy of this this hope of your calling. He said, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. It goes on to say in Ephesians 4, 4, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. He said there is, there is a universal calling. We're all one body and one spirit, and we all have this universal calling. We all have this in, incomparable power working within us to walk out this calling. And it is an inheritance, so nobody is, with, is without it. Now, you just got to remember this. You, you will only have from God what you see in the word and believe in your heart. It's up to you to, to understand that God has called you to something. It's up to you to understand that he's literally equipped you with his power to walk it out. And it's also important for you to understand that we're not all the same and we're all going to walk it out differently. You know, the reason I'm talking about this particular subject is because after being in ministry, you know, for 35 years we've been in ministry, for talking to from young interns at church to the congregation to people all the way around the world, one thing I've heard from people is, I, I, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to, I've heard the Great Commission. I know I'm really supposed to, you know, represent Jesus in the earth and win people to the Lord and whatever. But I, I just, you know, I, I really don't, you know, if that's important to Christianity, I, I feel like a failure. And I can understand that because I've talked to so many people who think that, it, that there's ways, you know, they hear about what other people do and they go, I'm not like them. I'm not on the streets witnessing to Christ, you know, and leading people to the Lord all the time. And so I'm not like that. So I must be failing because, you know, we're supposed to go and make disciples of every person. And so if you think like that, you don't understand the hope of your calling. And so that's why I want to talk about it this morning. Because I want to tell you that walking out your calling in Christ is the easiest and the most exciting thing that you could ever do. But you have to understand what is pleasing to God and how you walk out your calling. And I want to say this. Your calling is being a light. That's why I told you the story about Pedro. It's being a light. Anybody can be a light. Everybody was called to be a light. You were called to be a light. You were called in some degree and in some way to shine like Pedro. I wanted to tell that story because I thought you'd remember Pedro, and then you'd remember he was a light, and then you'd remember I'm supposed to be a light. You know... In John chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus said these words. He said, while I'm here in the world, I am the light 
of this world. I am the light of this world. Jesus said, while I'm in this world, I'm the light of this world. You know why he said that? Because that was his calling. That was the hope of his calling. In simple nutshell, that was the bottom line. Now, that would be worked out a thousand ways. But whatever he was, whatever he did, he was being a light to this world. And that is our calling. Jesus said, as long as I am in this world, I am a light to this world. Now, if you'll just start at that place, you don't even have to have it figured out. You don't even have to know how it's going to happen. You just have to know that you've been called to be a light. If you would wake up every single morning and you would go, God, I want to be a light in this world. As Jesus was in this world, he was a light. As I am in this world, I want to be a light. If Just help me be a light today. If, if, that's, if you just had that conversation with yourself and God every single day, it would absolutely transform you. See, the thing is, you have to think about it every day. You have to ask the Lord to help you every day. But if you did it, you put pressure on yourself. So instead of when you were driving down the road and somebody did something wrong and you started to get mad, you went, no, I've got to be a light. When somebody did something to tick you off and instead of getting mad, you went, no, I've got to be a light. When you can see somebody that's in trouble or needs a need or somebody's telling you you got a situation, I'm not telling you how to be the light yet. I'm just telling you, you just, you just got to go, I got to be a light. So you'll pause and you'll give an extra two minutes or whatever it takes with that person, you'll be a light. When you put that pressure on yourself, and it's a good pressure, it's a good pressure. There are good pressures in life. You know, the whole point of accountability, the whole point of, point of community and learning together and growing together and doing things together, coming to church together is because we help. We are iron sharpening iron to each other. And so when you take that on in your heart and you say, you, you, just, you just, just by faith, you go, Lord, I see it in your word, just as Jesus said, as long as I'm in this world, I will be a light. That's my attitude. I'm going to be a light. You get up every single day and you go, Lord, help me to be a light today. And then you just have your eyes open. That attitude would transform your life. You know what else it would do? It would draw out that incomparably great power that was the equivalent of raising Jesus from the dead that is your inheritance. It would draw it out of you. Because when you get put in the situation where you're to be a light and you don't know how to be a light, you're going to have to lean on the Spirit of God to help you. He'll give you favor. He'll give you right words to say. And in the beginning, you might stumble and not do as good as you think you should. But if every day you purpose to be a light, it would absolutely transform you. Let's see how much time I've got here. There is a, um, I just want you to remember this. Um, You can go home if you're a computer person, you know how to Google. How many people know how to Google? Okay. Google, go home and Google the motion picture code. The motion picture code. The motion picture code was something that was created in 1930 when TV and media was starting to develop for the first time in our society. The motion picture code was developed to be boundaries and guidelines for how you know, what they could and could not do when they made movies and television and media. And it was a strict uh, uh, list of codes and rules that they had to abide by. They did until 19, about 1966, I think it is, or 68. And then they threw it out because they said, we don't need these guidelines. We can govern ourselves. We have these three different agencies to help govern us that we've created ourselves. We'll govern ourselves. We all know how that went. You all see television getting worse every year, right? This is the year of profanity. Profanity is being introduced at every level in television today. But I I will read you just a couple of things out of that motion picture code because 
You know, I see there's some in here that are old enough that go back to remember um, Ozzy and Harriet and Donna Reed and Fathers Knows Best and Leave It to Beaver and all these really good, wholesome stories. Like when they presented a husband and wife's bedroom, they literally had two beds with a nightstand in between. I mean, it was just like purity, purity, purity. No, nothing out, outside of it, okay? But in, in the motion picture code... It said things like this. It said, um, okay, I'll give you, the, I'll, just in some areas, I'll give you a quick example. It said, murder, the technique of, technique of murder must be presented in a way that will not inspire imitation. Brutal killings can never be presented in detail. Um, methods of crime shall not be explicitly presented because they didn't want people to learn from media how to do crime. It said, um, it said the use of firearms shall be restricted to the essential. I mean, if you, you know the movies that are like today, <clears throat> everything's killing and murder. You, they couldn't do any of that back then. It says sex. It says the sanctity of the institution of marriage and the home shall be upheld. Pictures shall not infer uh, that low forms of sex relationships are accepted or a common thing. In other words, sleeping together you know, fornication, all those things, those weren't acceptable, and they couldn't ever act like those things were okay. It said adultery must not be explicit or presented attractively. Sexual passion shall not be introduced unless it's essential to the plot. And then excessive and lustful kissing and lustful embraces and suggested postures and gestures aren't to be shown. Sexual perversion of any kind shall not be shown. Nothing that leads up to causing somebody to lust shall ever be shown. In costume, no complete nudity, never. Undressing and scene shall be avoided. Indecent exposure is forbidden. Dancing with costumes that are lewd can't be shown. Religion, you can't make fun of religious figures or of any religion. It should always show respect. And on and on and on. This was this code. And this was in play from 1930 till about, I think it was about 1966. Then it went out and everything went out the window and everything just started in a slide. Why am I telling you all that? There's, a, there's something called the frog in the kettle. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but the frog in the kettle is if you take a frog and you put it in a, in, a, in a kettle of cold water, put it on the stove, turn it up to where it will boil, that, that, that will, if, it, if you put a frog in a, in a kettle of boiling water, it would immediately try to jump out and save itself. But if you put that same frog in a kettle of cold water and turn it up slowly, it will not try to jump out. It will just literally stay in there until it boils and then it'll die. So in other words, that when, you, when, they, when things happen gradually, they don't notice it. They put up with it. Well, that's the society today, and that's even Christianity today. We just put up with all this stuff. It happens so you know it happens slowly to me. I think it's happening more rapidly. But I say all that just to, to make, say this and make this point: the world is getting darker. Every single year, the world is getting darker, and we notice it. And we look it out there, and we go, "Oh, the world is getting darker and darker, more evil." You know, Jesus, come back! Jesus is coming back. But I want to give you a different way to look at that. When the world gets darker, the light gets a light gets brighter. I don't know if this is going to work, but we're going to give it a shot. Can we pull down all the lights just for a minute? Can we try? Okay. Now, I know there's still a little bit of light in here, but you can see it's dark, right? Now, look at it. One little light in all this darkness Aren't all your eyes just attracted to this one little light? One light. In a whole room of darkness, one light makes a difference. If you were all trapped in an elevator or a dark room, something happened, there was one light. You'd all be drawn to that one light. And, you know, there's, there is still a lot of light in this room, but if it was pitch, 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 pitch black, where you couldn't even see your neighbor and you didn't know where to walk, that's when darkness gets even scarier. And so you're looking for a light when you're in the darkness. You can turn the lights back up. Thank you. The point being, as the world gets darker, as the world gets darker, you shine brighter. And on top of that, if you purpose to be a light, you don't know that people are watching you. You don't know 
that people are noticing there's something different about your, your Christianity. But they are. People watch you. I mean, Renee and I have had good friends. I've got two really good friends today. I had one that, that years and years ago, he called and he, he said, he, he worked in the, in the same company I did before I worked at church. And he said, um, he said, Tim, he goes, this is so-and-so, and he tells me his name. And he says, um, he goes, you don't know me, but I know you. I've been watching you. I said, you have? He goes, yes, I've been watching you. And there's something about you. I don't understand it, but it's like you, have, you, you know what life's about, and you seem happy, and, and it's like you know where you're going. And it's just like I, I, was, I was sitting here just getting ready to take my life, and all of a sudden, you came to my mind. I, I found your phone number, and I hoped it would be you, and it is you. He goes, could I ever come over and talk to you? So I called, I, I said, Renee, do you care? I told her what happened. She said, well, tell him, come on over. So he came over, we led him to the Lord, and today that guy is a Christian leader. I've, there's another guy that um, is in, now literally in a discipleship breakfast I had, but I, I knew this guy, I'd watched him serving in church, and um, he was actually helping serve in a ministry that I was leading, and I love this guy. This guy was the most faithful, diligent guy but I really didn't know him one day very well. So I said, let's meet for coffee one time. I just want to hear more about you. We sit in the restaurant, or in, in a, in a, actually in a caribou coffee, and he tells me, he goes, you really don't have a clue about me, do you? And I said, no. He goes, my whole life is because of Jesus and you. I said, what? He goes, I, I have been watching you. He goes, did you know I used to weigh 120 pounds more than I weigh? I said, what? No. He goes, yeah. And he goes, I used to lie in bed, and I just, I, I was lazy, I couldn't do anything, and I, he just said, you had everything I ever wanted in life, and I just decided I was going to watch you and try to, em, you know, emulate Jesus through the word, but, you know, sometimes you need a real person to look at, and, 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 and he changed his whole life, and today he's a Christian leader, and I, Renee and I have heard that over and over and over again, so we don't wait for somebody to tell us, we just know we're in a fishbowl, it's a dark world, and people are looking for a light, and if you would understand that God, by the Spirit, was praying that the eyes of your understanding would open so that you would know there's a hope of your calling, and the hope of your calling is called being a light to this dark world around you, and because you have Jesus in you, you know, the Bible says that as a Christian, you are either a sweet fragrance or a stench to the world around you. To those that have closed themselves off, off to God, don't want anything to, to, to do with God, the Bible says you're a stench to them. And that's okay because at least you're representing something to them. But they said to anybody that's open and looking toward the Lord, you're like a sweet fragrance and a perfume to them. So what is it saying? It's saying, well, you don't go out thinking about, I wonder how I smell to people other than putting on a little cologne or perfume or whatever. You know what I mean? This is a spiritual thing. So people sense you, people sense the light of God in you if you purpose. And if everybody did that, the church would change. Because you, one day you're gonna, cross, you're gonna come across somebody that needs prayer. You're gonna come across somebody that needs a miracle. You're gonna come across somebody that needs help. You're gonna come across somebody that just needs love. You're gonna come across every day somebody that needs to be encouraged. Isaiah 50, verse 4, I don't think I had it in the notes, but um, it's, it, uh, Isaiah 50, verse 4, it says, The sovereign Lord has given us the tongue of the learned. The tongue of the learned. He's given you the tongue of the learned. It says, Morning by morning, he awakens you to give you a word, something from Scripture that will encourage the weary. Do you all know you're surrounded by the weary every single day? You're surrounded by the weary every day. You never have to worry about if you're surrounded by the weary. I'll just tell you, you're surrounded by the weary every day. And every single person in life, even those that are doing the greatest, like to be encouraged, like to be affirmed that they have value, that they're worth something, whatever. And so being a light is the easiest thing in the world to do it is the easiest thing in the world to do because you just have to be the love of God, like Pedro. 
Just making yourself available to serve and shine and be a blessing to somebody. And when you do that, you purpose to do that every single day, and you live it out every single day, it really creates and causes a transformation on the inside of you. And the gift of God is drawn out of you, and you become more and more conformed to the image of Christ. Your light just gets brighter and brighter in a world that just gets darker and darker. In John chapter 8, verse 12, look at these scriptures. The hope of your calling is about being a light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. When, when, when a room is dark and people are looking for just that one person that's got the light that's going to lead them out because they don't know where they're going. Jesus knew that. But that's you. When people see that you have Jesus and they know that you know that you know something that they don't know, they, well, there will be people that will always reject you and persecute you for Christ, but they, their hearts are closed. Well, that's easy. Just love them and let, you know, don't worry about it. But the rest, there is so many people that are looking to be led. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I want to say this to you. You're wondering, you know, the steps of a righteous man are ordered. God, what do you want me to do? We, we pursue all the things in life wrongly. You know, what should I do for a career? What does God want me to be? How should I do this? How should I do that? And you, you pursue things. You get distracted. You go down wrong directions. Do you want to know the one thing that will take you to all the right places? Being a light. It is so supernatural when you purpose to be a light. It will order your steps and bring you to miracles and an exciting life. And it will put you at the right place at the right time. And things will happen in your life. Instead of chasing you know, what you don't know, purpose to be a light, it will take you all the places you need to go. If you don't think so, study the story of Joseph sometime. Took him from a pit in a prison to a person that saved all of God's people in the land of Goshen. In Luke chapter 1, 11.33, it says, Jesus said, no one takes a light, no one, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will not be hidden. I want to say this to you. You, you, you would think, well, I, I, okay, I got to figure out, I, I, I'm not trying to hide my light. No, but if you're not purposing to be a light, your light's hidden. To some degree, it's hidden. Because w- what God could do with you as you purposed to be a light, I promise you, is beyond your comprehension. You know the scripture that says God does exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask or think? That is the definition of what God does with you when you purpose to be a light. Jesus said, no no one lights a lamp, puts it in a place where it will be hidden, or under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come may see the light. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2 and 3, It says, you are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read by men. The Bible, people read you like the Bible. They read you. They just see something different in you. They listen to what you say. Clearly, you're an epistle of Christ, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. In Psalm 112.4, it says, light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous and compassionate and righteous. I'm going to close just saying these things. People think you have to, you know, if I be a light, I've got to bring somebody to Christ. The Apostle Paul explained that life is not an event. Life isn't, you know, leading somebody to the Lord isn't just an event. It's a process. The Apostle Paul talked about how one plants and another one waters. And then God brings the increase. Sometimes you're just going to be a light to somebody. You're in the workplace. They see you. You know They don't know you're a Christian because you wear a, 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 tur- a T-shirt that says, I'm a Christian, or I love Jesus, or you have the bumper stinker on your car, or anything else. 
They're going to see Jesus because you're Pedro. They're going to see Jesus because they see the love and the light of God on the inside of you. That's how you want them to know you're a Christian. Not just because you talk about it, but because you act like it. And you go, well, I'm not very developed. I don't always act like it. Well, none of us do in the beginning. But when you purpose to be a light, that transformation happens. You don't always know what to say to somebody. But as you purpose to ask God to help you say the right thing, you get better and better at it. You learn more scriptures. God gives you more things to say. It's a lifelong event. Some people you can just, you know, I, I, I was sitting down next to this gal one time. She saw me reading my Bible. She said, do you like to read the Bible? I said, yeah, oh, I love it. Just changed my entire life. She goes, really? How did it do that? I told her how I did that. And, she, and, 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 she goes, and I told her how I became a Christian. She goes, can I be a Christian? And I said, sure. You want me to lead you in a prayer? Yes. So I, we, we prayed, and she became a Christian. Boom, right on the spot. All that happened within 10 minutes. And it's like, that does happen sometimes. And she actually she became a good friend of Renee and I later on, and she was from Rochester, Minnesota. So that can happen. I'm not saying that happened, but I'm saying in most places in life, First, they're just looking. They know that guy is a Christian, and they think, yeah, he's kind of a Jesus freak, but golly, he's really a nice person, you know, whatever. Anyway, one plants, another waters. Christ gives the increase. So relating that to the Great Commission, when it says go out and preach the gospel to every nation, you might think that as a Christian, the way you succeed is if you go out and you preach Jesus to every single person. Well, there are times you might do that as the Holy Spirit leads. But being a light is an every single day experience that transforms your life. You go, I have people say to me sometimes, oh, I wish I felt closer to God. Well, I understand that. Purpose on being a light. I promise you, you'll feel closer to God. You know why? Because you'll have more God experiences in your life. You may, go, you may go, God, this morning, please, just really use me. I just want to be a light. And then you go through the end of the day, and you go, I don't really feel like God used me. I didn't really talk to anybody. I didn't you know, do this. I didn't do that. Not true. If people saw you at all, they saw a light. When I, we shut off all the lights in here, the world is dark. There you were. You were being a light. They saw that you were a light. You, you go, well, I, I don't know if they saw I was a light. I'm telling you, they saw you were a light because you are a light in a dark world. So you will have days where you, you didn't maybe have a tangible God experience, but you represented God in the earth because you purposed to. And then the next day, you purposed to. And then the next day, you prayed, God, please use me in the next day. And he, this is how transformation happens in the body of christ this is where the church gets its power because then pretty soon you're meeting people that really like you and they you, you'll always know when you're being used of god when you're talking to somebody and they ask you this question they go where do you go to church if if they ask you that question that means somehow i just felt god through you and i don't know how else to say this so where do you go to church but really that means they sense god in you and this is how the church becomes the church. This is how Christians become Christians. It is the most exciting life in the world. We could all use more Pedros in our life. And we can all be that Pedro to somebody else. We just have to purpose to do it. There'll be times where I guarantee you, you'll feel lazy. But that incom- incomparably great power that is within you, that in Ephesians says is comparable to the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And so you maybe feel lazy, but you go, Lord, I'm really feeling lazy. I remember one time I was sitting, honest to God, I was sitting there, I picked up a newspaper after a long day, and, and I just, oh, I'm just, just going to take a break and read the newspaper, and the Lord said, set it down. This person is going to talk to you about me. Pick up your Bible. Lord, I, I just worked 12 hours. Can I, I just like have a break five minutes? This is what's going on in my mind. He said, set it down. She's about to ask you about the Lord. So I pick up my Bible. I'm not reading 60 seconds. And she goes, you're reading a Bible? And I go, yeah, I love reading the Bible. Why? I said, well, it changed my whole life. It did. How did it do that? 
And I said, and so then I told her. I took eight more minutes, and then I ended up praying with her. All of that, just like that. And I didn't even want to talk to her. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I talked to people all day long. I was so tired. I just wanted to read the newspaper. But that incomparably great power just said, put it down. Don't be lazy. You're going to experience God. I led her to the Lord. That night, I said, then the next morning, I saw this gal again. And she said, while you were sharing Jesus with me, this guy led my husband to the Lord. She didn't say it like that because she didn't even know the lingo. But she basically said, somebody prayed with my husband last night who was in a different place. She and her husband got saved in two different places on the same night. Purpose to be a light. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for this time together today. Lord, I came here an assignment from you to challenge this congregation. Rochester needs light. And these people, Father, all have you within their heart. So I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless them, that you would minister unto them, that you would bring this conversation to their remembrance, that they would, Father, have an experience with you day after day after day as they purposed to represent you as a light. And I thank you, Father, that it changes them and changes this church and changes this congregation. And I thank you, Father, that this church just becomes a bright light on a hill that has a powerful influence over the city of Rochester and beyond in Jesus' name. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, it just takes a simple prayer. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you don't know if you're going to heaven, but you can know you're going to heaven by just simply praying a simple prayer. If you don't know if you'd go to heaven if you died today, then will you do me a favor? Pray this prayer and mean it sincerely in your heart. If you do, a miracle will happen in your life. Jesus will forgive you. He'll come and live on the inside of you. His Holy Spirit will fill your heart, and you will begin to see life through God's eyes. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. That he came to this earth to die for my sins and to take them upon himself. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for my sins. Please come into my heart. Wash my sins away. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me how to live for you and help me to be a light for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you and thank you for your time today.